0: Welcome to Sex, Body & Soul. I'm Kate Roberts, founder of The Body Agency. And on this show, we talk about the marvel that is our bodies, what they can do and what they need to thrive. Ladies out there, our time is now. Let's get to it. One in four people suffer with some form of mental health issue, and it's still completely a taboo. I have witnessed firsthand throughout my life and my family the damaging causes of not being in control of your mind. Colin Henderson is the founder of Master Your Mindset and a leader of mental conditioning. He's written seven books and has innovative trainings on mindset, mental health, culture, and sales psychology that's used by some of the top brands in the world. He also partners with The Body Agency and Real Frequency to reach colleges, sports clubs, and schools with this very important work. Welcome to the show, Colin Henderson. Colin, welcome to the show. It's so good to see you.
1: Kate, I am so happy to be here.
0: Well, first of all, thank you for coming to our Body Next Yogathon. It was really good to have you there and for your signed book. I have been enthralled with this. The title of it is Quiet Mind, which I've tried to have for many, many years because my mind is all over the place. So that's what I need. I need a quiet mind. So it's a great book. It's got a great title. And it's wonderful to have you on the show.
1: Yes, it's a great partnership.
0: Uh, We do. We have a great partnership. And thank you for mentioning that. Colin and I have joined forces at the Body Agency. People can log on and learn about his organization, Real Frequency, where you can get courses around coping with mental health and exercises that you can do. But my first question to you, Colin, is what inspired you to both write this book and also get into the mental health field?
1: That's a great question. I think that origin story is very important to talk about. And I think I'm in this space because I struggled for many years was a great athlete in high school and college. I played two sports in college. And the analogy I give is I live my life like an iceberg for most of my life. Above the surface, people saw someone who was very successful, did graduate school, was in sales, selling to doctors and hospitals. But under the surface, which a lot of people think we're being more aware of is, I didn't talk about depression and anxiety. I tell people I'm a recovering perfectionist. And my struggle was like a lot of people who either in dance or music or in acting, or sports, they get their worth tied to performance. So every performance was a matter of life and death, because if I failed, I felt worthless. If I had success, I felt worthy. And it just it hit a point where I just physically wasn't healthy, wasn't right, wasn't engaged. I always felt lonely and sad. And I was always just so curious and wondering, why do I feel like this? Am I the only one? And uh, luckily, I changed careers, and I was exposed to a mindset coach. So there are three things we can train, Kate, our body, our craft, and our mind. Most performers just train body and some craft. Most business people just train craft. But this mental side, like it's so untapped and so undertrained. So once I got exposed to some of these concepts, I was healthier, happier, performing at a high level, and a switch came on. It's like people just don't know these tools. There are tools that we can learn.
0: Well, you know, we're about to talk about a very delicate subject, something that has plagued me my entire life. And I would say It's probably the same for just the majority of the world. Like everyone suffers from some sort of mental health, whether it's a family member, whether it's themselves, whether it's a colleague, depression, anxiety, sleep disorders, eating disorders, OCD, you name it, it's out there. And if we were really to do the numbers and look into it, I'm sure it would be gargantuan. Maybe you even know what the numbers are, but- You know, I don't know anyone who hasn't suffered in some way. This is an extremely personal and important podcast for me. My mother was bipolar and self-medicated as an alcoholic. And my brother, who's only a year older than me, developed Parkinson's disease and decided to end his life because he didn't want to be a burden on me. Because he's my only sibling. And so when I was really thinking about this podcast, and I talked to a very, very good friend of mine who's a therapist, and she said, Kate, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do the podcast. And I said, you know, it's such a big, important part of what has happened to me and what has shaped me over my life. First, with the challenges of my mother, who, you know, growing up with a mother or a father who suffers from mental health issues and I actually think my mother was molested as a child by a family member. But when you grow up and you are parented or not parented by a person who's consumed with their mental health, it affects you for life. And what just resonated with me so well, what you just said was, you know, you're obviously a high achiever. I'm a high achiever, right? I think People who've suffered with mental health, you either go one way or the other. You either rock yourself back and forth in the corner of a dark room, or you are out there trying to be the best of the best of the best because you know you've suffered and it's your coping mechanism, right? So I am no expert. I'm just a beneficiary of mental health in my family. So this is a very, very important subject. I've traveled the world, I've been in healthcare for 30 years. And I was just saying to you that one of the main ways of dying in Pakistan is throwing yourself off a bridge with your children in front of a train because you can't feed your family. Now, if that isn't acute mental health, but the point is, is there's no resources for mental health, right? You have to be rich to get health care for mental health right? You have to be rich. It's often not covered with health insurance and it easily affects one in four people. I mean, I think I'm underballing that, but it's easy. So I wanted to share that. I don't talk about it a lot. I've been actually embarrassed by it because, you know, there's a lot of like self-blame and what could I have done? And, you know, sort of pulling yourself up and trying to cope and, you know, lead your life. But I hear... Sadly, so many similar stories of people who suffer in this way. So, what are your thoughts, Colin? And with real frequency, you're one of the only mental health experts actually that has dedicated their life to this. You know, I know a ton of therapists. One of my best friends is a therapist. She's amazing. Her name's Christine Weinberg. She lives out in the Hamptons. And, you know, I always go to her with everything. And she's like, go to a therapist, for God's sakes, go to, how can you? Deal with all of this. Go to a therapist. But talk to me. Like, what are your thoughts?
1: Well, let me just hold space and just acknowledge and validate your emotions, your feelings, you know, about bringing your mom, working through what she had to work through and losing your brother. I just want to acknowledge and just say, I'm here for you. I feel for you. I don't have the answers, but I'm going to hold space for you. Thank you. And I think just having that acknowledgement that we don't have all the answers. And I think the thing about mental health is if we suppress what we don't feel, we can't heal so allowing yourself to cry, allowing yourself to have a bad day, and not beat yourself up and say what's wrong with me, mean, just to acknowledge that you know life is going to be a long road. There's going to be some challenges along the road. But I think just acknowledging and allowing yourself to feel those feelings. Um, and I would just say this and give you hope that an emotion is like a wave in the ocean. I'll say the emotion will flow back in the ocean. If you fight the wave, you're going to be stuck underwater, suffocating. If you can ride the wave and have hope that this is going to eventually flow back in the ocean, I'm not defined by this emotion. And this is another truth. Happiness cannot be fully actualized unless it's shared, but pain and shame can't be healed properly unless it's shared. So suppressing it underneath is dangerous. So allowing yourself to cry, allowing yourself to have a therapist and just acknowledging, you know, we see the physician when we're hurt physically, when we're emotionally and mentally have some hardships or some injuries. There's a licensed professional that is trained to listen, ask the right questions, to acknowledge, to help you heal. And when you have a broken leg, it takes months to heal. It takes time. So I'd also want to encourage people just one session is not going to, I mean, it could help, but just make a commitment to get into a small group, find a counselor, a therapist. Yeah, so there's a lot we can unpack here, but I thought I'd just throw out some numbers because you said I don't know the numbers. So I speak to companies, to schools, and I have a small group. I just, I'm trying to educate. My personal mission is to transform lives and normalize what I call mindset training. And if you look at the mental space, there is what I call prehab and rehab. So rehab would be healing, you know, like we talked about trauma, what I call trauma, drama, daddy and mama stuff.
0: All boys down to mama and papa.
1: <laughs> our conditioning, where we've been conditioned from you know day one by what we see here and experience, that's creating a, a belief system within ourselves. What we normalize, what we think is okay, what we expect of our environment and from others, we are conditioned at an early age, and so that trauma, drama, daddy and mama is shaping all these things. So we need some work from a professional to help us heal that like family origin and to self soothe that younger person who just had to cope either through being perfect or working harder. So there needs to be some healing work. But I also believe, so I'm not a therapist, I'm a mental performance coach. My passion is I have a great therapist and it took me some time to find a therapist that does the right work.
0: Yeah, it's like finding a girlfriend or finding a boyfriend. Yes.
1: And I think some people, you know, they don't find the right person. Like, oh, this isn't for me. Well, it's like you want to find the right car or the right restaurant or the right friend or the right partner. It might take you a few cracks at it to find the right fit on what your needs are and how you vibe. But what I like to do is work on that prehab, that mental conditioning, that proactive. So not waiting for problems. Make this a daily part of who you are. I love the author James Clear. He says, we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our system. So having some mental health, mental conditioning, mental wellness habits. Okay, so the stats. So over a million Americans miss work each day due to mental health challenges anxiety is the number one mental health concern in adults and teens. From a kid perspective, teens and children, one out of three adults, it's like one out of four, one out of five. During COVID, one out of two humans have been impacted in a negative way with their health emotionally. Mentally. These next numbers are staggering. 75 to 90% of USA doctor visits are caused by mental health issues like stress, burnout, overwhelm, anxiety, depression. Almost nine out of 10, the root cause of whatever ailment is from a mental health origin. And then a few more is. In the United States, USA companies are losing half a trillion dollars because their employees are not engaged because of mental health challenges. And this number is really staggering. 63% of USA workers want to quit their job because of mental health challenges, stress, burnout, overwhelm. So the thing I'm trying to say is if we're not doing something as leaders, as business owners, we are being negligent. There's a negligence here if we're not having some proactive training, some offerings to some counseling therapy. If people are number one asset... We need to be creating some structure to protect and to heal and to equip. Because if we're not, we're missing the boat.
0: No question. No question. And I have so many thoughts about this because, well, first of all, I'm a company and a charity owner. And so I have employees that I care about deeply. I came from a massive health organization that had 9,000 people in it who lived all over the world, mostly in the developing world. And you know, when I first started there, I was there for 20 odd years. There was no such thing as a mental health day. In fact, if you mentioned that you were like needed a mental health day, you basically would laughed out of the room. They're like, pull your big girl pants up and come into work, you know? So this sort of mental health, days that you can take is so new. And I think it's absolutely brilliant. However, it can't be overused, right? I think it's very interesting right now with everything that's going on with big movements, whether it's Me Too or, you know, mental health awareness, like there's got to be a happy medium between human rights, right? And healthcare, but also When it goes too far and people start using excuses or, you know, making it up. But I'm thrilled that a lot of companies now, and let's encourage this, Colin. I mean, you know, let's do this through real frequency and get corporations on board to offer these training centers and get HR involved. And I know a, a lot of corporations would really love to integrate this into their corporate policies. But there's one thing I want to actually mention, which, you know, and you talk in your book a lot about behavior and changing your behavior and your mindset. And, you know, I love the diagrams. So you've got mindset in the middle and then you've got beliefs and you've got behavior. Now, Let's just talk about the behavior for a second, because I think that is all so interesting. I mentioned, you know, being an overachiever. Like, you know, I genuinely believe that I'm an overachiever, not because I'm smart. It's because I had a mother that I couldn't control. Like, all I wanted to do was have a normal mother who loved me and wanted to, you know, just bake apple pies, you know? Like, I didn't want to be picking her up off the floor after she drank a whole bottle of vodka at 12 years old, right? And so the behavior, right, that came out of that was, funny enough, a very dear friend of mine who I've worked with for many, many years, everyone knows who she is, it's Ashley Judd. We went on many trips together around the world on mission trips. She became an ambassador for this work around female reproductive health and HIV and healthcare. And my behavior towards her was constantly trying to get her to do things that we needed to do, right, as an organization, which I knew she didn't really want to do. <laughs> And eventually she sat me down because she, and she's very open about this. She's in AA and it was for mental health. It wasn't for alcoholism. It, she is recovering and knows more about this than anyone I know. In fact, she's taught me so much. She sat me down and she said, Kate, you are codependent. You are a codependent person and it is not healthy. And I didn't even know what that meant. She said, You need to go to an Al Anon meeting. You need to understand how your upbringing of basically having to look after your mother and not being loved in the way that you needed to be loved has affected your life. And now how you will pretty much do anything to be successful. (laughs) So behavior, let's talk about that, Colin. And the other thing I want to talk about is, you know, a lot of people who listen to the show are mothers like me. I have a 12-year-old daughter, and we're terrified of mental health for our children because of the effect of social media, you know, watching porn from an early age. You know, my daughter came home the other day and she was like, I want to have a nose job. I mean, I'm like, she's got the most perfect nose known to man. But I really want to talk about behaviors and signs. And also, how do you even know that you're depressed or have anxiety? Because I feel like it comes out in different ways. Like I don't feel like a stressed person, but I'm sure I am. I mean, I gotta be. I can't do what I do without being stressed, right? So let's talk about what sort of behaviors do you see? And also I know you're a coach. You are a coach that helps people to have a quiet mind and be successful. But what are some of the behaviors that we need to be looking out for?
1: That's a great question. I think let's just start with a foundation of understanding what we're talking about. So Listeners, how would you define mindset? Think about that. We know that's important for everything that we do. So mindset is a conditioned set of beliefs that drive behavior. So being codependent shaped you as a child to seek validation, to seek love. You were conditioned and it formed an identity and a belief that if I don't do this or if I do that, then here's the result. Here's what's going to happen, how I feel safe or I feel loved and protected. So It starts with a belief and the number one driver of behaviors is your identity. So what is shaping your identity? You know, you hear people say, you know, I always forget names or I have a sweet tooth or I'm not a morning person. So a belief will drive a behavior. So I usually start with what are some limiting beliefs or what are some stories or what are some things that have shaped how you see yourself? Because how you see yourself flows into your behaviors. But what's also interesting is sometimes you can behave your way into believing something. If you want to change a behavior. So, if you're asking for, you know, what are some behaviors we should be aware of? I think the first one is if you are procrastinating, if you lack drive and motivation, if you constantly have like a pit in your stomach thinking about the future, you know, what this can go wrong, what that can go wrong. I think. These are some signals that, you know, if you're losing appetite, if you're not sleeping, if you feel like you have this like loud mind, these are just some actions that I think we should kind of have this alert that actually, if you're in a- Or overeating. Or overeating. Overeating is a coping skill. If you're, again, anxious, stressed, I guess I can't name all of them. But if you have this just like chronic, it doesn't go away of the things that we just mentioned. I think- That should be a signal that I should maybe talk to somebody. So a simple drill that anybody can do is just start paying attention. And the the very word mindful means to pay attention. And I think what I want everyone listening to do with this is to detach judgment. I think what we get in trouble is we detach judgment when we fall into these patterns and you label yourself. So shame is like, I am bad this is bad and it's me. So if you can separate the behavior from the person, that's where I think healing starts to happen. And normalizing that we all have times in our life, you know, during the days, weeks, months, years, where we go through a season or a time period where we're feeling these things. And just the worst thing you can do is just to hide it. And I think really asking for help is the ultimate sign of strength. So I believe everybody needs three things. A community, number one, so if you have a community of people, I mean, humans crave what's called oxytocin. It's ingrained in our DNA. We crave to be connected, trusting, bonding with somebody. So even if you just have one friend or someone you trust, get a community of people that you love. And I love what you're doing with the body and you see everything that you're doing with, like, we're just creating community around the world for people who don't have community. The next thing is, I think everyone should have a, a counselor. These are three C's, a community counselor, somebody that can help you look back. So the counselor therapist helps you look Back, uncover some of the patterns, uncover some of the triggers. What's conditioned, and start to heal because what is not properly processed, Kate, gets projected. When you don't properly process the trauma and the drama and the childhood stuff, you just live in the state of shame, guilt, and fear. And then a coach helps you move forward, helps give you a roadmap, helps gives you some direction, some tools, strategies. So I would say if we can first establish that we all have these types of issues. Some are extreme, some are less, but no human being walks around and doesn't deal with these things. So if we can just normalize it and build this ecosystem of a community, a counselor and a coach, I would say that'd be step one because it creates space for us to talk, to get vulnerable.
0: And you know what, Colin, that's why I'm so thrilled that we've joined forces at the Body Agency, because what we're going to do now with these yoga-thons as they grow around the world is we're going to do themed yoga, yoga thon. So we'll do the practice and we'll do the breathing and we'll do the mindset and we'll do all of that normal stuff. But then we're going to bring in speakers like you to really do a session, which you can either watch on Zoom or in the class and, you know, choose a topic each time that's so educational. And what you just said is brilliant because I'm a key example, right? Of somebody who's lived with immense shame and right you're only as sick as your secrets and you know not wanting to go to a therapist thinking I'm strong enough to be able to deal with this and I'm gonna throw myself into my work and that's gonna be the shield that will protect me but it doesn't right it's all gotta somehow come out in the end so you're a pretty big deal Colin like yeah I mean guys listening out there you don't realize this guy's like A pretty big deal. And he works with companies like Salesforce. So when somebody goes to the body agency and clicks on our partnership, what types of things can they expect to be able to achieve with your help?
1: I love that. I think with this concept of a community counselor and a coach, it's just to make this a part of what you do each day. So we don't rise to our goals, we fall to the level of our systems Says author James Clear. So it's creating just a daily commitment that you matter, your mindset matters, your wellness matters. And just like your body, you can't be stronger or more fit if you don't do some exercises. Well, the mind is the same thing. Your soul, your spirit, your confidence, your resilience, your ability to self-soothe, your ability to be aware. These are practice skills. So if we don't have a coach to give us a concept and a drill. So everything I teach, we teach, it starts with awareness. Awareness precedes behavior change. Most of us walk around and we're not aware of these limiting beliefs, of how negative we are, of these behaviors that were in these same patterns. So it also starts with awareness. The next thing I think we like to do is we want to teach you a system or a concept or a psychology model that is not taught in schools. Schools teach us what to think, they don't teach us how to think. Businesses, their onboarding is about craft, product, industry. They don't teach about yourself, how to be your best coach. So, and now we have Instagram and TikTok and people spend all their days studying other people. We don't study ourselves. And so you have awareness, you have a system. And then I'm obsessed with application tools, having a tool, awareness, system, application. And there are five pillars that I teach of mental wellness. The first is self-awareness. The next is self-talk. I don't know how aware you are of the influence your dialogue has on yourself. So maybe let's just pause there. And Kate, what percent of human thoughts are actually negative?
0: From me or in general?
1: Just in general, like brain science.
0: Are you asking me if I do You want a percentage that I think that it is? I would say probably 60% negative, 40% positive.
1: Research from the National Science Foundation, 80% of human thoughts are negative and 95% of human thoughts are reoccurring. Wow. So the brain is designed to survive, not thrive. This amygdala, this you know, part of your brain that's looking at fear and threat and danger, you know, we have the same emotional body state change to physical threats as we perceive social threats. So we're not being chased by lions and tigers. So now it's like, socially, I have the same state change and our thought life, our thought atmosphere kind of guides that. So the brain thinks in four dimensions, you know, a thought or a word shapes a picture, a feeling and a belief. So I think part of our work is let's just start being aware of how you talk to yourself, what thoughts you give your energy to. And it's this concept, your first thought will be negative, but your second, third, fourth thought doesn't have to be if the mind is is trained. So self-awareness, self-talk, and then I would throw mindfulness in there. And then self-image. I think self-image Is such a huge thing that is not talked about.
0: Massive. Let's talk about it.
1: (laughs) I know. So self-image is your identity, how you see worth, how you see yourself, how you look at your strengths, loving yourself. And part of my story, Kate, is you talked about your upbringing. So my father passed away about two months ago and we had a great relationship as an adult, as a kid, not so much. My dad loved us, would do anything for us, but he was so competitive and at an early age, my self-image was wrapped around I have to be the best athlete I have to be the top performer and he was like, like vocally loud parent you know and once this started happening I was like 11 12 years old, this anxiety I developed a slight stutter. So people don't believe this I used to stutter pretty bad. So in sixth grade I was you know going through like you know fourth fifth grade I started to like experience this this like intense pressure car rides home just verbally like loud like he was the dad that was the loud dad yelling and he coached me too. So I just right away associated, if I'm going to protect myself, if I'm going to be lovable, I have to be perfect. So that manifested into this performance anxiety, which developed into a stutter. So when I I changed schools in sixth grade, I got asked to read out loud. I got stuck on a word. And there's a really good book called The Body Keeps the Score. So that's where your emotions and that's where the feelings are stored. This trauma is stored physically. That's where sometimes just affirmations aren't going to do shit because your body is like, nope, Screw you. I know what that felt like. And you need to protect yourself and fight, flight, freeze, hide. So there's a time in my life I couldn't say my own name. I couldn't order food for a drive-thru. I couldn't answer the phone. I couldn't put together a sentence because my body was just so wound up in fear and anxiety. And that was tied to self-image and this belief system of, I have to do this in order to be safe, in order to be loved. And my coping skill, like you, was just to grind harder.
0: You know, I'm so glad and thank you for sharing my story. And I'm so sorry for your loss. I also just lost my father and it was devastating. But I really want to talk about self-image because it's all consuming, right? And it's exasperated by access to social media and no one's posting on Facebook. Oh, uh, my brother killed himself today. You know, they're posting like, here's how great I look in my bikini in St. Bart's, right? And so kids, I see mothers now hand over their phones to babies, right? To keep them quiet. So, you know, it terrifies me. I have a 12-year-old now who you look at and you think she was 16, 17, 18, right? She sort of lives her life through the TikTok world, right? And I try to limit the access. But as one of my coping mechanisms when I was in my late teens, early 20s, was I developed an eating disorder. And I didn't necessarily think I was fat, but I don't know, some boyfriend said I was chunky or something. Anyway, it started really when I was about 13, which is when really I started to realize what was going on with my mother. And by the way, my mother was very beautiful, very glamorous, and sort of also like your father did to you with sports, she did to me with beauty and what I should look like and what I should dress like and, you know, how important all of that was. But the point I want to make is, again, you know, it was a pretty serious eating disorder that I had. You know, eating disorders can be life-threatening, and I was getting to that stage, but I didn't seek help. What I did was threw myself into my career and started to become successful and through that and doing my own research was able to sort of semi-cure myself, right? Now that's not possible for a lot of people and I think that mental health and the trauma from parents and you know, PTSD and all these things. We just don't have enough time to talk about it all. But again, as a mother and a lot of parents listen to the show, you know, I'm terrified of my daughter developing an eating disorder because I just know how life destroying it is and how hard it is to overcome and our self-worth. I mean, you just put it so well, right? Your self-worth and your self-image and confidence. And, you know, my brother and I are like, we look exactly the same, but we're just two completely different people. He's shy and introvert and suffers from anxiety and depression, obviously. And I am seem to be the one with all the confidence and the success and the being out there and the friends and the network. So, I mean, it's just such an interesting subject and so dangerous. So dangerous. The world that we live in right now with all these images that are forced down our throats every single minute of every single day when we pick up our phone and put something on Instagram or flick through stories or god knows the time that that takes out of people to stay as well but it destroys your mind and your confidence
1: yeah well i think we have to go back to how we define mindset a condition set of beliefs that drive behavior and that conditioning is shaped by what you see here and experience so by what you're consuming looking at parents what they're modeling what they validate, what they praise. And I think if there's parents listening to this, a simple just law that we need to understand is how you speak to your kids becomes their self-talk and their self-image. And they're watching and observing you. So just being super aware of that. And also I think we need to kind of set parameters. This era that we're in with the internet and social media, like it's not healthy. So we can't just give our eight-year-old the iPad just because we have a phone call we have to take or because we're now, I would say on the airplane, maybe, you know, having little (laughs) kids on the airplane, that's another story.
0: I mean, you got a lot of children, you know?
1: (laughs) I just think we can't just pretend that this isn't the world we live in and we need to educate ourselves. So I have so much empathy for parents. Because a lot of them, they just don't know what they're doing.
0: No, that's the problem.
1: My father loved us unconditionally. He would do anything for us. He's just competitive. And he grew and evolved and was super humble about it and grew and apologized. And just, I was so amazed how he just evolved and like just was super supportive. But he just didn't know. So I think part of this education is we need to educate the kids. We need to educate the parents. We need to get the teachers and the coaches on a similar frequency common language, know the data, know the science, know the pitfalls, know some of the challenges, and here's how we can do it a different way. So I would just, parents, let's just talk about Carol Dweck's model of a growth mindset. So there's a fixed versus growth mindset. Fixed mindset is, it's really all about image and ego, and you don't want feedback because it's a threat to your skills. You think people just have it or don't have it. You look at just only outcomes and results, where growth mindset is effort and improving and learning new things. And so a lot of parents are just looking at outcomes and results instead of the process. How is the effort? How is the attitude? How is the growth? Were they in tune with their values? Most families don't have values. Like They don't have like, what's important to us? What do we evaluate? Not just results. So it's really process over outcome. We can't control outcomes. And when you get so hung up on the outcome, that creates the anxiety.
0: It's so, gosh, it's so interesting what you're talking about. You almost need to like write those values on the wall, right, at home, but you've hit on something that's so important and I think we should do a whole new show about it because guess what? We're out of time, which is devastating. I knew it would go this quickly. I've got one last question for you. So as you know, at the Body Agency, we're embarking on this big campaign called Body Next and mental health is a huge, huge part of it. And We want to, you know, change the world for kids starting at 10 all the way through everything from head to toe. So mental health, overall health, sexual wellness, the whole gamut. And mental health is so tricky. You know, you and I obviously have learned a lot about it because we've both suffered with our family members or ourselves. So we sort of know what to do. But we're about to launch a program in India. Body Next India, where there'll be the pilot program of really teaching both parents and kids about these issues. And it's just so difficult to know how to approach this mental health issue. My daughter suffers from ADD. She's dyslexic, right? Now, those are all things that, you know, here in the West, we have coaches, we have tutors, you know, we have tools that help her, you know, with fidgets and two parents who really understand what kind of help she needs. But the moment you step out of the United States, like any form of mental health is almost non-existent. I mean, Colin, what should we be doing? Apart from your course, that is.
1: Well, what should we be doing is we should be talking about it. I know our kids like the movie Encanto and there's a song, we don't talk about Bruno. And by not talking about Bruno, the house falls apart. So just having conversations and raising the standard, raising the standard of overall health. You talked about the body agency. We're talking about health from head to toe, from sex education and awareness to mental health, to health physically, to friends and how we should date, how we should communicate, all that stuff. This has to be moving forward from an educational system from just a structural format and design this has to be a pillar there's too much data on suicide and depression anxiety body image eating disorder i mean there's just so many things and just banging your head is not going to solve the problem so i don't care if it's us find someone it's really not about who it's with it's just have something in place and just to finish the five so it's self-awareness self-talk mindfulness self-image fear and failure management and being process focused. We should be educating about fear and teaching parents, kids how to recognize and then some coping skills. So schools are teaching us math and algebra and spelling and social studies. Like this needs to be a required class. And then we want to be in the United States at the forefront, leading this efforts and taking this education around the globe. I think we should have some people, let's, we can collaborate. How can we partner and just create some more tools, whether it's a little video series or some booklets?
0: Oh, well, that's done, Colin. I mean, as you know, we're already global, so we will make this happen. Where can people find your book? It's called Quiet Mind.
1: Yes, that's a great question. So I would just go to Amazon. I've written seven books. I've written two journals, uh, Quiet Mind, and I have Quiet Mind for kids, too. So if you have little kids, that would be a really good one. So if you just go to Amazon, type in Colin Henderson, two L's.
0: Okay. So colin thank you so much for being on the show i would encourage you all to go to thebodyagency.com go to our connect care section and then you will find real frequency and how you can engage with colin and his wonderful team and his great courses and his mentorship i cannot thank you enough colin for being on the show you will be back this is such an important topic we've got to remove the stigma and taboos and scale this around the world. So thank you.
1: You're amazing, thank you.
0: Thank you for joining me for this episode of Sex, Body and Soul. Remember, you can find all my favorite products and resources to support your health and sexual wellness through my one-stop shop, The Body Agency. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast listening platform. We are actually partnering up with Vital Voices to get much needed Dignity Kits to the refugees in Ukraine. Girls and women do not have access to personal hygiene products that keep them safe and healthy. Please go to thebodyagency.com to donate a Dignity Kit today. Be sure also to sign up for our email list at The Body Agency for the latest curated recommendations from our industry experts and use our special promotional code podcast 10 to get a 10% discount. Thank you for listening.